is Alex Shipman. I'm the senior pastor here at the Village Church. Our text today is Genesis 3, uh, verses 14 uh, through 19. I will be going to different passages of Genesis today as well. So if you have your Bible, please open it to Genesis 3, 14 through 19. The nature of humanity derives from humans, the human family's relationship to God. The concept of Imago Dei, then, is fundamentally relational or covenantal and takes its ground and focus from the graciousness of God's own covenantal relations with human beings and the rest of creation, says Professor Joel Green. This means every human being is created to be the representational image of God on earth. All of us are created to be finite expressions, finite reflections of an infinite Trinitarian God. Now, I know Trinitarian is a big word, so so what does it mean? It means that the God of the Bible is one God in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are, are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. These three persons make up the Godhead. And in the Godhead, there's diversity and there's relationship. That's the reason why human beings are diverse and, and relational creatures. We're diverse because of the diversity that exists in the Trinity. We're relational because of the relationship that exists within the Trinity. But unlike the Trinity, humanity falls into a state of sin and misery. The Imago Dei falls and and comes under the curse of sin because Adam and Eve rebelled against the Lord God. The consequences of their sin is seen in Genesis 3, verses 8 through 19. Sin means that we are unable to fully image God as we were created to. The reflected image is distorted and blurred. We remain relational creatures to the core, but our relationships are broken and distorted, says Professor Laura Roberts. In other words, the fall of the Imago Dei shatters humanity's relationship with God, the rest of creation, self, and other people. We addressed how the fall shatters our relationship with God last week. This morning, we're going to talk about how it shatters our relationship with the rest of creation and our relationship with ourselves. But first, before we move forward in the sermon, please please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as I often pray, preaching has no power apart from you. Zero power. The preacher must study. The preacher must do his prep work. The preacher must write. write, But the preacher does not make preaching powerful. You do. The preacher doesn't, uh, his words does not change hearts and does not change lives. You do. The preacher is in need of grace in the same word that that the congregation needs. He, too, is a recipient of grace. The preacher is not part of the Godhead. 
He's just an under-shepherd. To the shepherd. So, Holy Spirit, if you don't move, if you don't move, nothing happens. If you don't move, lives are not changed. If you don't move, uh, lost people do not come into the kingdom. If you don't move, nothing happens. Nothing happens. You are the one who, 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 who is advancing God's kingdom here. It's not us. It's you in us. Some of us need to have a little more humility about our place here. So, Holy Spirit, will you please, I beg of you, will you please have mercy? Will you please encourage? Will you please rebuke? Will you please change us? And I pray for all of this in Christ's name. Amen. In Genesis 1.28, the Lord God blesses Adam and Eve with what is known as the creation or the cultural mandate. And this mandate is a divine injunction God gives to all image bearers, beginning with Adam and Eve. Listen to these words from Genesis 1.28. The Lord God blesses Adam and Eve. He says to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over all the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. This mandate bestows upon humanity the blessing of rulership. Adam and Eve are given the blessing to subdue the earth and to rule over the living creatures. The animated and inanimate parts of creation are under the responsibility of God's image bearers. And that is a, a blessing. I mean, let me get my amen sign. So some of y'all are new. So if you are a guest here, I got to help my congregation know when to say amen. So now I lost my place. Okay. You see, the, the blessing of rulership communicates the type of relationship God intended for humanity to have with the rest of creation. So, so what's the relationship? What do y'all think? It's stewardship. It's stewardship, not ownership. So what's a steward? How, how does a steward function? A steward is someone who has been entrusted with the resources of another. A steward manages and oversees another person's property. A steward cares for something that belongs to someone else. A steward watches and keeps and and cultivates what belongs to another individual. God, listen to this, God creates humanity to be good stewards of his creation. He doesn't create us to replace him as owners. He does not create us to replace him as owners. Image bearers are created to be stewards of God's creation, not owners. But because of the fall, but because our first parents fell into sin, that the blessing of the creation mandate falls under the curse of sin. The mandate is still good, but the way humanity lives it out will be stained with sin in every area in every corner now. Our relationship with the rest of creation is now broken, marred, distorted, and shattered. 
What actions do Adam and Eve take after eating the fruit from the forbidden tree? I'm not talking about their mental actions or their nonverbal actions. I'm talking about what do they physically do after they eat of the tree? They use some of the inanimate parts of creation in ways they never used them before. They're rebellious. First, our first parents go and, and gather up some fig leaves. And then they sew these fig leaves together and to use them as a covering for their naked bodies, something they never did before. And next, they run and hide behind the very tree that caused their rebellion against God in the garden. Do y'all see it? Creation has now been used to cover shame and nude bodies. It's being used to hide from the presence of the Lord God. How many of y'all are hiding in creation right now? How many of y'all are sewing fig leaves together right now trying to make your own self happy? Trying to give your own self purpose? Adam and Eve, creation was not meant to give you that. That's not why God gave it to you. It was not meant to give you purpose. Your purpose comes from him. Adam and Eve are no longer function as stewards of creation. Their relationship with creation will never, ever, 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 ever be what it was created to be again in Genesis 1 and 2. It would never be that again. And the same is true for us today. The same is true for us today. You see, we're, we, 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 we're so quick to get to the Gospel of Matthew that we forget that things started in Genesis 1 and 2. Okay? Jesus came... Generations later, first we need to start with this. We need to start with Genesis 1, 2, and 3. That is part of the gospel too. Amen, Pastor. Our relationship with creation is marred and broken because of the fall. No longer will we function as stewards of God's creation. Instead, we're worshipers, abusers, and cursers. Of creation. Well, Pastor, what in the world does that mean? Be patient. I'll tell y'all. Let me move my notes here. First, some image bearers will actually worship the animated and inanimate parts of creation, trying to get from them what only they can get from God Himself value, dignity, worth, happiness, peace purpose, significance. There are people who worship the stars, who worship Mother Earth, who worship plants, who worship trees, who worship people, who worship animals, the moon and the ocean. Some even take the trees and carve and create for themselves wooden idols to pray to and to love. That's what's that's that's happening. Romans one verses twenty one through twenty three says For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, and animals, and creeping things. What is that, Pastor? That's worship. They're worshiping the creation and not the one who created. That is a consequence of the fall. Do you see it? Do you believe it? It's true. 
Everything that is wrong with the world goes back to Genesis 3. Everything. You want answers? Read Genesis 3. Some people will even abuse creation. We abuse creation with our waste, with our pollution, with with fires, with littering. That is the abuse of creation. We even abuse the animal and plant kingdom. Even the environment suffers from our shattered relationship with creation. Do y'all believe climate change and global warming is a consequence of the fall or based on faulty, faulty science? Which is it? What do you believe? Genesis 3. Why are there tornadoes? Why are there earthquakes? Why is creation crying out? Because it too is under the curse of the fall. It's right there. All you got to do is read it. All you got to do is look at it. Genesis 2 tells us that God places Adam in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. That's his job. That was his job. And that was a blessing in Genesis 2. Him working in the garden gave him pleasure. Him keeping the garden gave him joy. It's all good and well until Genesis 3 happens. All the dominoes fall down. His joy and his pleasure turns into pain and displeasure because of God's judgment upon him. Remember what I said last week. The Lord God enters the garden in Genesis 3, already knowing what Adam and Eve did, already knowing they disobeyed him. He calls Adam out of hiding. He interrogates him and later his wife. And both of them shift the blame forward. Adam says, it's my wife's fault. Eve says, it's the serpent's fault. Neither of them takes responsibility for what happened in the garden. So God passes judgment on them and the serpent. His judgment upon Adam, his judgment upon our first parents is descriptive. He's telling them, this is what your life is going to be now. And his judgment upon Adam is in Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19. And it describes, to, it describes the third way our relationship with creation is broken. You see, image bearers, we're not just worshipers and abusers of creation. We also curse it, particularly the ground and the land. Again, what in the world does that mean? Our efforts to subdue, to work, and to cultivate the earth will now be met with much pain, resistance, sweat, struggle, and displeasure. It won't always be easy to work the land. It won't always be easy to get it to produce what we want it to produce. It would be a burden and hardship. And this is what God tells Adam he will experience. His joy and and pleasure has turned into pain and displeasure. The Lord says to Adam, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Curse is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Out of it you were taken. From dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Wow. That's judgment. The fall of the Imago Dei. Whether you believe it, whether or not you receive it, it has broken our relationship with the rest of creation. 
We will worship it, we will abuse it, and we will curse it in different moments of our life. See, for us, we look at human progress and advancement and think, man, we're great. We are awesome people. Definitely as American Christians. Human progress, medical advancement, technological innovations, and new discoveries can never change the fact that we are under the curse of sin. Progress, you can't progress your way out of the fall. I don't care how great life gets here, you cannot progress your way out of the fall and its consequences. Now, God's common grace restrains it. God does that. And the cosmic redemption through Christ is in the process of restoring and renewing all that the fall has broken. And that is good news. What Christ does isn't just for your individual salvation. It's cosmic redemption. All of creation is going to be redeemed, not just y'all. It is renewing our broken relationship with God. His redemption is renewing and restoring our broken relationship with creation. What do you think is going to be in the new heavens and earth? Just us? (laughs) And he's renewing your relationship with yourself. Amen statement. You are in a relationship with yourself if you know that, right? Do y'all know that? That you're in a relationship with yourself. Okay. Every image bearer has a relationship with self, a relationship that began in the Garden of Eden before the fall with the creation of Adam and Eve, our first parents. Genesis 1.27 says, So God creates man in his own image. In the image of God, he creates them, male and female. He creates them. He endues Adam and Eve with a living, reasonable, immortal soul. He makes them out of his own image and knowledge and righteousness and holiness. You see, God creates our first parents as whole persons. Whole persons. Adam is created a whole man and a whole male. Eve is created as a whole female and a whole woman. I said this earlier in, in the sermon series. God presents Eve to Adam as a whole woman. She doesn't become whole when she marries him. Did you catch that? She was created whole. Ladies, you don't become whole when you get married. You're already whole because you create an image of God. But do you believe that? Wholeness comes from the Imago Dei, not marriage. Our first parents' relationship with self before the fall is one of complete wholeness. And the seven aspects of a human wholeness is complete. In, in them and perfect in them. And what are some of these aspects of human wholeness? Intelligence, it's psychological, it's physical, it, it's emotional, it's sexual, and it's spiritual. Those, those, those are aspects of your wholeness. And for our, for our first parents, they are functioning as God and created them to function in Genesis 1 and 2. And this also includes the creation mandate to be fruitful, to multiply, and fill the earth. Everything is as God wanted it to be in the first two chapters of Genesis. But as you know, Genesis 3 comes, and all kind of nasty stuff hits the fan and falls apart. Their relationship with themselves shatters because of their rebellion. 
The aspects of, of human wholeness are now broken. They're no longer in perfect harmony. Harmony. And the creation mandate to, to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth is now under the curse of sin. This means human procreation suffers consequences from the fall. To create new life now is going to be painful. Painful. And this is God's judgment upon Eve. She will experience great pain during childbirth. The creation of human life will, will be a painful experience for her. He says in Genesis 3, verse 16a, the Lord God says to Eve, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. That is her consequence. That is her judgment. The blessing of life, of life itself, is under the curse of sin. In Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17, the Lord God commands Adam, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Not right then, but you will surely die a physical death. You will die to death. Eventually, Adam's body will age, it will break down, and he will die. And as God says in verse 19, you are of dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, what does all this mean for us? For some of you are thinking, well, I wasn't there when this happened. Why am I suffering these consequences? Because Adam is your representative before God. And now the relationship that you have with yourself is to experience that same brokenness. We will experience brokenness and procreation. We will experience brokenness in, the, in the, these aspects of human wholeness. Our bodies will not always function properly. So some things you go through isn't because you sin. Some of the things you're going through just because you're, you're under the curse of sin. <laughs> it ain't because you disobeyed. It is life in the fallen world. All image bearers now have issues. The fall has fallen on all of us. You, your kids, your whole family. And there's nothing you can do to prevent that. Your kids, if you have kids, they're going to suffer the consequences of the fall. I don't care how much you share to them. I don't care how much you protect them. They are going to experience the fall has fallen on them. And you can't beat it out of them. It is there. You got to teach them how to live with it. They ain't ever going to be perfect. We can't escape this. We can't hide from this. We can't run from it. Women will experience physical, mental, and emotional pain during pregnancy. They will. Some will even experience postpartum depression. Oh, that comes from the fall, not because she sinned or did something wrong. Others may have nine months of morning sickness, and I pray for you if you do. That's, that's, that, that hurt. that's, that's a lot. There will even be infertility. There will be miscarriages. And all image bearers at some point will experience death. We all will eventually physically die. I don't care how much plastic surgery you get or how much Botox you shoot into your skin. You can't change the inevitable. It is coming. But are you right with the Creator? 
some image bearers would experience intellectual and psychological brokenness. There's mental illness that exists. Did they sin to have that illness? No. Consequence of the fall. That's how the fall has fallen on them. There is learning disability. There are even some who, whose mental state is so broken they even take their own lives through suicide. These things are real things. It's not happening just to those out there. These things are happening within the church. Other people would experience emotional brokenness, like panic attacks and certain phobias. All of that because all the whole, the aspects of human wholeness are broken in them. They are. I'm telling you, Genesis 3 explains a whole bunch of stuff. There's physical and, and health brokenness. We get sick. Our bodies break down. There's high blood pressure. There's a heart attacks. There's obesity. There's all these things. Some image bearers are born with birth defects. And some have contracted, even died for COVID-19. This is real life, filled with suffering, all because these are consequences of the fall. Next, there are image bearers who struggle with gender identity issues. Those are real struggles. For some, the, the blessing of being born male and female would feel like a curse. Well, what do you mean by that, Alice? Because there are some people who feel that they are a man stuck in a woman's body. There are others who feel like they are a woman stuck in a man's body. So why do they feel that way, Pastor Alice? Because that's how the fall has fallen on them. But we judge them for that. We judge them for that. And some of these image bearers will even make the gender transition. That's how the fall has fallen on them. Don't judge them. Empathize. Because what they're going through, they're longing for Eden, but they're trying to find it in themselves. That is a cry for a Savior, but they're trying to find it in themselves. And we who have the gospel of hope, what we do, we sit around and throw stones and tell them, let me introduce you to a Savior who can meet that need. Christians are testimonies of God's grace, not instruments of his judgment. He don't need your help. He doesn't need your help. Know your role. Stay in your lane. Finally, there's also sexual brokenness now. Remember, sexuality is part of human wholeness. Because of the fall, that aspect of humanity is broken now. There is sex addiction now, pornography addiction. There are pedophiles now. And some image bearers will even struggle with sexual identity issues like same-sex attraction. And some will even give in to that attraction by living homosexual lifestyles. Again, that is how the fall has fallen on them. Do you empathize with them or do you judge them? Just remember, God has mercy on you. Do you have mercy on others? Because of the way the fall has fallen on them. The reason why we have a hard time loving people is because we first identify them with their sin instead of first identifying them with their Imago Dei. Before they are in their sin, they're also creating the image of God first. Man, 
It's so basic, but so hard. See, Christian, Christianity, we, we make so much about a Christian worldview, and, and we talk about how, you know, the Enlightenment movement, how the Enlightenment made everything about man-centered. And, but Christians don't realize that we also live out the Enlightenment worldview in the way we love other people. Because if you first identify people with that, their sin and their brokenness, that's man-centered. That's enlightenment thinking. They were created in the image of God first. That's why we can't love people. Because we don't even see them as human. We don't even see them as the imago Dei. And here's the thing. If the church can't do it, the world never will. It has to start here amongst ourselves. Can we do that? The church track record is hard when it comes to loving our own. We kill our wounded. That, that is why we have teens in our churches who, who struggle with same-sex attraction, but they are afraid to share it because they're going to be judged instead of loved. And so they go out into the world and find the affirmation. We are the ones who push them out with our own judgment. Instead of drawing them close to a Savior who loves them and who can change them. Finally, some of you have what I call a toxic, broken relationship with self. This is beyond brokenness. And what you do, you practice self-hate. You hate yourself. You cut yourself with your own words. All because you don't like the person you see in the mirror each day. All because you feel like you don't measure up to what the culture says is, is beautiful and attractive and handsome. You don't like the way you look. You don't like your body. You don't like the color of your skin. So you curse yourself with your own words. Self-hate. I get that. I empathize with you. And I'm with you. Listen, there are physical and mental and health things I do not like about myself. I'm overweight. I have high blood pressure, so I'm on meds. I'm on cholesterol meds. I'm on thyroid meds. I'm on, I'm on antidepressants. And so I know what it feels like to think that God has cursed you and punished you because of your appearance, because of some accident, because of some disease. I know what it feels like to have people stare and point and even make jokes about you. I've shared this before. Um, and this may be sometime last year. I have a skin condition on the back of my head. It's called keloid. And for those of you on Facebook, it's, it's right here. Right there. This started developing when I was in ninth grade. And I can tell you, high school years were very very painful and miserable for me. A lot of asking God, why do you let this happen to me? Why do you curse me? I hate my life. See, the fall has fallen on all of us. But the way that it works itself out in our broken relationship with self will be different. And that's some of the ways it has fallen on me. That's some of the ways it has fallen on me. Now, I don't know what to make of this or what it means, but, but none of the people I consider to be my close friends 
has ever asked me about my key Lord condition. I know they see it, but they never asked me about it. Jesus sees it, and he still accepts me. He still accepts me. And in fact, throughout the years, he has helped me make peace with this aspect of my broken relationship with self. That this key Lord condition ain't ever going to go away. But I no longer hate myself because of it. And I no longer think God has cursed me because of it. That is a work of God's grace in my life. That is redemption. That is sanctification. That is Jesus restoring and renewing what the fall has broken in me. And if he can do it for me, I know he can do it for you. No matter how the fall has fallen on you, no matter how broken your relationship is with yourself, Jesus is able to help you. Henry Nowen, who has now become my favorite writer, he says, our life is full of brokenness, broken relationships, broken promises, broken expectations. How can we live with that brokenness without becoming bitter and resentful except by returning again and again to God's faithful presence in our lives? Our life is full of brokenness. Broken relationships, broken promises, broken expectations. How can we live with that brokenness without becoming bitter and resentful except by returning again and again to God's faithful presence in our lives? Give the brokenness to Jesus for the first time or the 100th time. Give him your mental illness. Give him your gender and sexual brokenness. Give it all to him. And if you don't know him in saving faith today, then the day is the day. Receive him. Answer the Spirit's call. Creation, yourself, they're poor saviors. They cannot fix the brokenness. It's just a band-aid. If you want true peace, then you've got to come to the Savior. You've got to come to him. Will you come to him? And that's a question you've got to ask yourself. Who is your Savior? Who's your Savior? Who are you going to to give you life? Is it your fig leaves? Is it creation? Is it your idols? Who? One thing about an idol is that it always runs out. And what you do, you idol hop. I've got to tell you, they're all going to give you the same thing, lemons. Idols like a used car salesman. So please know, please know, if you worship in an idol, you love a used car salesman who gives you lemons. So please know that. If you don't know Jesus, you love a used car salesman who gives you lemons. And you keep going back and back and expecting things to be different. It ain't going to be different. It's always going to be a lemon until you come to Jesus. He gives you life. He gives you purpose. He restores the brokenness. He gives you hope. And he says in Matthew, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
and you won't rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to him, saints. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, Jesus, thank you for being able. Thank you that you are in the process of renewing and restoring all that the fall has broken in us. Thank you. Thank you that when you see our brokenness, when you see the things that we struggle with, you don't turn us away. You don't cover your face when, when you see our, our deformities and our struggles. You embrace us and you love us. You don't treat us like the world does. You receive us into your everlasting arms. So, so Holy Spirit, minister to Christ beloved today. Help them to leave this place with a little more assurance that, that, that they're okay, even though they have struggles. Because they know Christ. And I pray for anyone here or anyone that's watching that does not have a relationship with Jesus, that you will pull them in. That they will come to him and finally find rest for their souls. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Will y'all please stand for uh, the Lord's benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with all y'all and all God's people said, amen. Please greet one another, but no, maintain social distancing.